Hello, welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. I talk with writer, director, and producer, Bill McAdams, who I met in the early 90s, and I've watched from afar as he pursues what he loves and been very impressed with his dedication and tenacity. Bill has several credits to his name, like Bully High, Gallows Road, and Jose Kinsenko, The Truth Hurts. What does it take to be an independent filmmaker? What was his first big break? And is he really on call for Michael Douglas? Listen in to find out and enjoy this episode. Bill, thank you for doing this. Mm-hmm. I really yeah, you got to, I think I got a text from Bullis out of nowhere. You got to do this. I'm like, do what? <laughs> I'm going to do nothing. He's been like my, it's so funny because on, Your agent. on occasion, he's like totally, and he's out, you know, saying I'm the next Oprah, which I love. Or a daytime, buy, a daytime letter. buy him a beer. Buy him a beer for every person he gets you. I know. That's, that's a good exchange for sure. You talk to Rex? We texted, and so, uh, or, yeah, so I'll get him, and that'll be great. Yeah, he's a writer, that's for sure. Yeah, how yeah, did you meet him? I met him, I think I did a symposium for uh, Gals Road, and me and him and somebody else, just on screenwriting. Yeah. But I think he's a professor at SMU, I think. But he's, you know, he's he studied under Billy Wilder, you know, Sunset Boulevard's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And like it hot. So he was like an apprentice or something. But that's, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's doesn't get any bigger than Billy Wilder. Yeah, so for sure. For sure. So I'm looking yeah. at your posters behind you for people that can't see. It's got all of your yeah. um, your films, Couple. right? Gallows Road, Jose Consenco. Yeah. yeah um, and then. Uh, and then Bully High, right? You... Ah, very cool. The Avengers, yes. There's a story behind that one. Okay. That, that poster, actually, but that's kind of funny. Um, yeah, so Gals Road, Conseco, and uh, and Captain America. I'm, I'm friends with uh, I doubled Chris Evans on Avengers and Cap One and Two, and and I did a couple of TV series. But you know that was that was just work. It wasn't writing, directing, but it was being around uh, Marvel. And getting to know like the, what the big system's like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- it was fun. My buddy was the, he's the president now, but I came up with uh, Louis D'Esposito as his like PA, you know, do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's president of Marvel. So he, he worked his way up too. I call him easy money because he was a, I was drinking a beer and watching a Rodney Dangerfield movie and his credit came up as a PA. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, he started right at the bottom. So those kind of guys are cool to hang out with and learn from because they, they you know, they got dirty in the business and just started doing whatever like I did. You know, yeah. No training. Tell me, like, tell me a little bit about your start. So I know, I mean, when I was thinking about it, you've obviously been at this for decades now in terms of yeah. working in the entertainment industry. So tell me a little bit about, like, did you always know that's something you wanted to do? And then do you have a moment that felt a little bit like your first break where you were like, yeah, now, now something's happening where it's really. Yeah, that was, uh, 
Well, I started um, went in baseball in college at Catholic University of America. I played baseball there, and I heard they were shooting a movie in Camden Yards. Ricker came up, I think, for a day. Yeah. But it was like you know, take a drive up to Baltimore, and and I gave the casting director my baseball picture. And like the next day, I was like sliding into home plate. So that was, you know, I was like a utility baseball player. Yeah. Um, your contract, like $200 a day, something stupid. But it was, uh, um, it was the Bowie Bay Sox. And then I was the only college guy that they brought in just because I was persistent. And I'm like, I can do this. So I ended up sliding into home plate like 25 times. And they gave me like a $10 adjustment where today I would have got a, you know, a stunt bump at a thousand dollars. So I didn't know any better. Yeah. But I was doing that for a living in Catholic. So it's like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. Yeah. So that got my first credit and the whole school, we all the whole school went and saw it and it was kind of cool to see my name up there. And then I'm like, yeah, all right, maybe I should just go to Hollywood. And I did, uh, got in a car with $200 cash and a $280 car payment and only two days guaranteed at the Hyatt Long Beach as a bellman. So that was kind of risky, but I didn't, uh, you don't think about that at that age, you just go for it. And I never went back. And you're at, when you left college, like your degree was in theater, right? And my degree was a, a double major in theater and philosophy. Okay. So, so I got, I got A's in philosophy. I just, I, I picked up a way to, you know, I don't know, understand the, uh, subjects. Mm-hmm. It wasn't hard for me to just write and write and write about these people and, and these philosophy teachers. They just want a, something to grade. They want like, you know, they want an outside the box thinker. Mm -hmm. And that's I was already that. So I think it just came easy to me. And but it, it helps me today with with directing because you have to understand where the, these actors are in their mindset and you kind of got to massage them into like what you want. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like a manipulation, but it kind of is because you're helping them be the best they can be. But you got to you got to tread lightly because they'll shut down on you. And that's the worst thing that can happen as a director. Yeah. You need sort of that space of like guiding, but letting them be creative, I'm guessing. Right. Like, you. Need yeah, we got to let them be. You got to yeah. let them sniff around and like a dog. They're just like, you know, they're, they're in your <laughs> yeah. territory and they're like, yeah. you know, they're making it their own. And then you let them and then you kind of mold that. But, you know, you start off with a master and then you move into this shot. And when you're here, it's like it's like money time. Yeah. And we both know that. So we know when it's time to, like, give it. So, you know, I think, uh, yeah, so uh, Major League Two was my first credit. And then what then what I know you did, uh, you know, a lot you were talking about doing some double work and like stand in stuff. So is that when you were able to start to really like finance your life, you know, when, when like you started to get some of that work, like, and, and how did that come? Uh, to well, be? yeah, as a stand in, you can survive, you know, you can make $200 a day and you can, you know, um, pay your thousand dollar rent. You know, it's like, you know, it's usually a room or like you, you and your buddy splitting a townhouse or something. It's not about like that. It's about not being in your apartment. Cause if you're sitting around your apartment, you're not learning, you're not making money, you're not eating, I mean, it's like everything is is laid out for you on a movie set. Like you don't have to pay for anything and you're getting paid. So my idea was to do that instead of like, I tried to bartend in Hollywood and West, West Hollywood, a place called Luna Park. And I'm still friends with the owner who's now sold it. He's French, which is kind of funny. I ran into him in Paris. But 
the bartending was like, you know, I was working with like, I was 27, working with 35 to 40 year olds and they were just miserable and they weren't going anywhere and they weren't in the business and they were getting auditions and not landing them. So it was kind of a depressing, it wasn't like when I bartended at Winston's with right. you know, all the boys yeah. down and yeah. my band was playing and I was making like more money there actually, but that was more fun. Yeah. Where Hollywood is just a bunch of douchebags, like, you know, just miserable people. And, yeah. and I'm like, I don't want to be around this. And I also want to be around positivity and like people that are shining and, you know, somewhere I could learn and grow as a person and also as an actor, which is what I went to California to become. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you live and learn. It's all learning, but it's, it's survival out there. You know, I didn't have daddy's credit card you know paying my rent and my car payment and i got my car repoed out there so it was wow. like it was tough and you can't live without a car out there so then you got to scramble and find one for like a thousand dollars and those days are just crazy what do you think what actually as i was thinking about talking to you you know one of the things that strikes me is just how harsh it is that the business and how you know, and you just telling me that with respect to how tough it was in the beginning. And where do you think the resilience to persevere through that, to know that you have something to offer and to stick with it? I, I think, you know, with respect to this conversation and the podcast I have, it's really I'm trying to help people that are really entry level or just starting out or people that are maybe at a crossroads and maybe having a hard time, right, trying to figure out what they want to do next. So I, th I think it's fascinating when you're in a career like yours that's just so harsh and filled with projection and a lot of judgment. Where do you pull from from on the resilience factor? Like, how do you how do you dig in and just say, I'm going to um, stay with this? Well, you got to love it. You got to like to get up and like go to set and and you have to love film. You know, I, I watch movies all the time. I, I'm that guy in the theater at 11 a.m. that's sitting there and by himself. Yeah, I go by myself all the time. I love the experience of the big screen. It, it gets me like out of a depressive state. Like if I'm like, all right, what am I going to do next? Well, let's go see a movie and figure it out. Like I just saw the air movie with yeah. Ben and Matt. That was like a reunion because I did Good Will Hunting with them. And it was like, wow, this is the Matt and Ben I like. This is like, this is where I started. This is where we both started. You know, like, you know, I just uh, meeting Matt Damon and kind of, forcing myself into that. So anyway, I got to California and I, 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 I was a bellhop for six months and I hated it. I was driving down to Long Beach and um, it was just rough. So I ended up getting an extras casting director job, like an assistant. Ah, and, yeah. and I did, I did this movie called Death Benefits where I still got a little bit part in the end with Peter Horton. And then I did Kazam with, uh, with uh, Shaq. And I got three SAG vouchers as an extra. And then that's what got me in the union. And Pete Shurk, my friend from Marshall, who played professional baseball, my old crew knows him, my, the O'Connell crew knows him. Um, he got drafted um, by the Mets. So my fee was $1,000 back then to join SAG. And he paid it for me so I could um, stand in for Kiefer Sutherland on a movie called The Last Days of Frankie the Fly with Dennis Hopper, Kiefer Sutherland, Michael Madsen, and Daryl Hannah. So that was like really cool. You know, I worked with Dennis Hopper, who worked with James Dean, which is like yeah. insane. Yeah. And Rebel Without Cause. That's that's another great movie. 
So, you know, you're in it, you're in the business and, and, and you just want to stay in it. And most people do give up because they're like, oh, I'm going to give myself eight months, nine months. That's, that's a joke. Like, you know, I didn't, you talk about a first break. It was like 10 years, you know, yeah. I mean, you did little stuff and you met people and you're like, Hollywood knew you, but everybody outside of Hollywood didn't know you, you know, like Matt Damon knew who I was, but the guy in Seven Eleven didn't know who I was, which is a weird thing. Right. So at the core of it, there's a passion for it and just loving being around it and not, and maybe huh. feeling too, like as you're talking, like that's the place you feel most like you or to, you know, like it just sort of, I always think about like, if you're doing something that you love and it sounds so cliche, but then it really doesn't feel like work. No. So if you're super into it and you're, you know, you're passionate about it, it kind of can carry you through the harder times. I mean, is it that simple? Uh, yes. There are, the, the hard times are like, they come and go, but there's a lot of them. And there's also like, it's impossible to become an actor. It's impossible to like yes. become a director. It's just like, it's 99% no every time. So, you know, like good, good rainmaker was where I like met Matt and I put myself in there as a stand in photo double, but I'm in the mix with like Coppola and um, Danny DeVito and Mickey Rourke and, you know, John Voight who went to Catholic university and studied drama there. So that's when I was like, Oh gosh, Coppola, like at 26. Yeah, he's, and he would do like, he would do games with me where he'd give me a scenario and throw me into the mix and warm all the actors up. So, you know, Bill, you got in a fight last night at a bar and you need some representation, go. So I'd walk into the office and be Mickey Rourke and, and Danny DeVito and I, and I just making shit up. I'm like, Hey man, Billy Sham. And, you know, <laughs> and like literally like, yeah. like just improv. Mm -hmm. And then you get all fired up and then, all right, step out, Bill. All right. Pictures up, you know? So it's like, there's different directors that do different things. I think there's uh, just being around that. It, it's like, all right, what am I going to do next? And, and each movie is a different uh, energy. Yeah. Because you have a different director, different actors, different vibe, different genre. So, you know, just doing that. Um, what are the, some of the things like in those early years where you were around some of the greats and really being a sponge and taking all that in what what are some of the lessons that you learn there that you apply now right as a as a filmmaker yourself what, what do you think uh, for people you know that are striving to succeed in your business you know being around all of that talent i'm sure you got some great counsel and advice what structure it's just getting up and having somewhere to go number one so i learned structure i learned you know you're seeing people work and make money and and survive but it's also like you see their passion everyone has the same passion i guess so we're all you know you meet a sound guy you meet a a grip everyone they all have their own dreams mm -hmm. so you know grip has a script he wants to make and the sound guy wants to be a rock star or, you know everybody has a dream in this business but then there's like the few that make it which is like, you know, the Matt Damons and mm -hmm. why, while you're on set, there's only a few that's like, oh, wow, it wouldn't be cool to be that. But then you got to just find your own, you know, because I think that's what most people um, strive for is like everybody wants to do something that, that they create or right. in this business, even if it's like a sound person inventing some new device mm -hmm. that he wants to sell. Or, so I think... Um, it's just structure, but that was taught way early in life through sports. Mm. You know, when I was six playing baseball, just getting up and having to go to practice and 
you know, it's all, it all ties in, but just having somewhere to go and being, and if you don't get there on time, you're fired. It's just, you got to put yourself in a position to uh, learn, Mm -hmm. you know, so I don't, so what was the question? <laughs> it was, uh, you, you said a word. I think I said lessons learned. So you said structure. I think yeah. you, you you answered it. I think, you know, yeah, being there on time, being ready to learn. And I think one of the things you said that I, I think is so <clears throat> great is figuring out your lane, particularly in your business where there's so much around you. I mean... Any person at any time could say, okay, that person's better looking than me. That person's, you know, got more money than me. That person's more talented than me, right? And, and most of us, anywhere, no matter what you do, I think in the entertainment mm-hmm. industry, you could sort of multiply that by yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. exact. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it, and that part of it of like saying, like, you know, the chances to your point around the unicorns, like the chances of that happening, who knows? But I know what I am. I know what I can do. The thing you said yeah. about being on time, too, I feel like I just had this conversation with my – I just had a kid that finished his first year at JMU. And mm-hmm. um, I said, you know, your one goal this summer is to just be on time for every yeah. single thing, no matter what you commit to, whether it's to yeah. me or to a friend or to lift because he's all into lifting. Like, mm-hmm. be on time because as an employer, yeah. like, yeah. that's a that tells me a lot about you. Just whether or not you're on time, isn't that? It's like a simple. It's a simple thing. Yeah, and it's it's like it's it's disrespectful to be late. Right. And to this day, I'm still an hour early to whatever I'm doing, just because I slide in. I don't want to be rushed. You know, I'm not I'm not that guy running around. Yeah. I'm like calm and cool, and and I'm ready to go mentally and physically. So you have to, uh, but you have to give your time to the me time in the morning where it's like. you're prepping for the day. Yeah. And it's and interesting. You start off all stressed and, and it's not, it's going to be a bad morning. So, uh, you know, I'm old. They call it old school, but, you know, <laughs> I'm not showing up and, all right, let's go. Yeah. You got know, to, you got to prep, prep. Do you think you have, um, one of the things <clears throat> that also strikes me for you, just given what you talked about with baseball and giving them your, picture and then once you were in LA like your kind of hustle and your confidence like do you think you have an unusual confidence of being able to put yourself out there and not be afraid of what yeah, I'm not afraid you know no, I never of anything and I do have a lot of confidence and that comes from sports but I also am well trained like street smart trained um but I also know how to behave in front of these people but they don't, they, I don't get intimidated. Mm-hmm. And I think that was part of like, yeah, there's a confidence, but there's also a crazy. There's also like, I'm a little nuts. And in, in a good way to where like, yeah. you think about like, why well, you did that? Why would you do that? Because I wanted to do this. So um, there is a little bit of crazy in this business. And because it's, it's like masochistic. It's like you beat the crap out of yourself to... uh find this little piece of gold. Right. And most people just quit. You know, like this last movie, Bully High, took four years, and it's one of my best films. And not because I think it is, but because people tell me it is. And it was this little movie that just it took f- forever during COVID, and kids were growing up because they were. it's a high school movie. But, you know, each movie has this different, you know, gorilla and, like, different wall to like smash through but that one was that one was like i'm not giving up 
you know, there's why would I do that to the to the kids? You know, these actors. Yeah. Because most of those parts are their first part, and they're just ready to go. And so, you know, I think um, I get on these tangents. That's no, you're good. Parts. You're good. Actually, I was going to ask you as you wear all these different hats. So, as you're, you know, obviously a director and a writer, you're an actor, and you're a producer, and I want to talk to you more too about actually these films that you've um, kind of been the the driver of, but. When you think of those different hats, is there one that you particularly enjoy more than the other? Like as you've evolved as a person, is there something that like you said, you kind of started out more active? Do you still love all of it? Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills, your one-stop shop for workshops, coaching, speaking, and soft skills development. If you'd like to hire Teresa, visit www tfasoftskills.com for more information. Yeah, I like it all, but I'm a director and like I'm good at it. And yeah. I'm good at it because I've done it a lot, but I've also failed at it big time. My first film was like half a million dollars and it was like too big. And I, I ended up actually going back and cutting all the shit out. It was like 94 minutes and I just chopped 25 minutes out of it and I re-released it. And now it's like it's better. Mm. Um, but it's like you, you learn. I'm a better writer because I direct. Um, I just see the big picture. Mm -hmm. I, I never, as an actor, it's like fun. Um, and I put myself in my movies because so I don't have to deal with like, you know, a crazy person. <laughs> like I, I can, one less uh, one less like artist that you have to manage maybe well yeah i can yeah. i'm i'm i can work with myself <laughs> you know it's like i'm not a diva but i also but some of these guys like gals road kevin sorbo and ernie hudson they liked like the player coach kind of mentality mm -hmm. where i'm right in there i'm on my mark and i'm like all right let's go again and i'm the i'm acting with the with the uh with sorbo or i'm like but if i don't if i don't see they're getting it or if I don't get it, let's pick it up. It's still rolling. We're gonna we're gonna go again, and it's just like you're right into it. Whereas if you know, cut, all right, let's go again. Everybody wanders off, and then like you lose this momentum. So my sets are fast and furious, and there's not many people around because mm -hmm. a lot of people do a lot of hats. Um, you know, because my crews are 15, 20, sometimes ten. You, you only need a, <laughs> a camera and a sound you know, really a uh, sound uh, person to make a film. So. How, how do you manage the business side of this? So as you've matured, I, I mean, it. what's that? I hate the business side of it. You do? I, I hate producing, but I end up by default producing a lot just because I know time management. I know like I have a window to get this scene and a window to get that scene. But, you know, a great producer is not going to work um, for the money that I can pay them because I own these movies. So it's kind of like, all right, let's, let's, we got to get this done. And, you know, but it's, it's tough, the money, because it's like a, you got to, you're making products. You're not making movies anymore. You got to make a product that you can, people are going to scroll through on a TV set and go, oh, I want to watch this. Mm -hmm. So it's like the poster of the trailer. And there's, there's a lot of moving parts, but I have a great distributor. So he's a good guy who actually sends me checks, <laughs> you know, like residuals. So I think, you know, there's that. There's people that you trust. And so for these movies or these films, is it almost like for you, so, is it almost like someone else self-publishing a book? Like, is it your, I mean, you're, you you have to go find some financing, I'm guessing, right? That's not all your own 
money or is it? Um, what you yeah, think? no, I, go, I, I don't put my money in the movies. I, I, I won't. Some of the movies all work for nothing, you know, if I own a big piece of it. But I think that, um, yeah, some of them, are, like the movies I do in Cincinnati, I don't own those. Um, I did uh, Santa's Promise, A Brand New Kitchen, and The Pope Drops In. And I'm a director for hire, director writer. I see. So I get a I get a chunk to do this and deliver the film, and then you know get my first cut. And those are fun because I don't have to worry about where am I going to sell it. Yeah. But I introduced that guy to my distributor, and he distributes all those movies now. So it's just a it's a small family of trust. Yeah. You know because we're not dealing with that much money. You know under five hundred thousand and under. Mm-hmm. So these are but I, I I have a secret to make them look like you know a couple mil yeah just because there's ways to do things yeah you know to, so you can get up there with the not the hallmarks but you know looking like that like yeah the two million dollar like ooh, right this is a movie you know so, the, so the, there's, there's tricks the three that you are you know between like directing and writing and the like with gallows <laughs> road and jose Kinsenko and bully high one of the things I you tell me if I'm wrong, like I was I was trolling last night and like, you know, looking at some of the trailers and watching some of the films a little bit. And and I'm curious, like they all seem to have kind of at the center of them some like heart and humanity. Yeah. So where do you, is that is that an accurate assessment? Yeah, I mean, every film is drawn through something personal. Yeah. And then you kind of um, branch out off of that but gals road was overcoming death my brother got killed on a motorcycle so that was tough conseco was the first film i did after he died and it was he died on may it's coming up may 21st 2012 and i was like oh god how am i gonna ever make a movie again like this he was my buddy my you know my partner and and i his favorite baseball player was jose conseco so uh-huh. i met him in fort worth and I was like, I was like, oh God, my brother loved you. And I, I kind of made it for Johnny, but then I ended up, you still got to go back to why am I making this? Like Jose Canseco, he's controversial. He brought steroids into the game, but it was, it was legal. So it wasn't illegal, but, and everybody would come at him like with this, oh, you, you dated Madonna and you're a steroid guy. And, and they'd let him like wear his hat, like, you know, this and, They'd be, he'd be doing interviews looking like it, you know, they would set him up for failure. Yeah. So, but he told me one thing and he, he was playing AAA in, in Modesto and he got a call from his sister. Mom's, you know, she's, she's not going to make it. She's in a coma. So he flies home and he tells her on her deathbed that he's going to be the greatest baseball player in the world. And that's my promise to you. And I was like, wow, this guy lost his mom at 19, you know? So I'm thinking, no wonder he he has that mentality of like a child and like he never grew up and, but he's extremely intelligent. He's not stupid. And he's got, he's funny. He's like really funny. So I saw those two things that people missed. And then I watched all these interviews on them and I did exactly the opposite of what they did. Mm. So I kind of went, so back to your thinking with the heart and why I make movies. It's like you find that little thing that no one's done or no one's, uh, and you as an interviewer, it's like, you got to get in there and find that little, that little thing that nobody's got. And then, then the promise is like the whole movie of the truth hurts. So then you understand who he is and then you have more compassion 
for him. Whereas before it's like steroid guy. No, right. he's much more than that. Yeah. You know, so, so back to the point of like, well, how I pick these films, they, they really, you find it, but then they kind of evolve and you, you just can't let go of it. Yeah. And that's those, then you just got to make it. You know, and I don't know about you, like we were joking about at the beginning of this about kind of, you know, where we are in life, time and time and grade, so to speak. And like, mm -hmm. you know, part of like I was in corporate America forever. And then I, mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, what's, that? <laughs> what's corporate America? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and I feel like, you know, I, I and it was a great experience and I learned so much and I was so fortunate to have really uh, good jobs and. I learned from really smart people. I think for me at this point, it's like a legacy question of how do I make impact? How do I feel like I'm sort of affecting people? And like you have this really cool way of doing mm -hmm. that in a in a really, I would think like as as an artist and as someone that's creating and, and being able to put stuff out into the world um, that's like meaningful and has that humanity. I think that's really, it's really cool. And it's a way maybe that keeps you motivated mm -hmm. to your point around the, the other stuff when you said like you're looking for these little pockets of gold <laughs> like yeah. that's got to be part of the drive too like when it does hit and when you do, do have that intersection of the things that you like to do and you get to create something that maybe someone hasn't seen or look at it in a different way that's pretty powerful it's really yeah. it's really neat well all that what you said is philosophy and that's pretty powerful so you're doing <laughs> that's I'm true doing. that's true um it's, it's, you know it's emotional and it's uh yeah, it's a philosophy. It's a philosophy of life, and, and a way of coping and getting through things. And you know, like for you started this podcast for a reason, I'm sure. Yes. So absolutely, same thing. Like I love. I'm so curious about people. I love hearing about people's path and how they maneuver through that. I love like story, right? Of of just like you yeah. know, nothing is a straight line. And I love mm -hmm. so for you. What I love too. It's like. You know, the hustle is real. It's not like this stuff just like happens. Like you're someone that has had to be yeah. a hard driver at your own, kind of to your own support in a way, right? Like your own driving to your own success. Oh, yeah. I, I made, found my own money to make um, my movies. Yeah. You know, I, you got to go out there and you got to, I just, I just woke up at like, I think my big break after standing in i think the hollow man i did with kevin bacon and it's not a break but it's it's you and six people and you're like a hundred million dollar movie and you're set you get making money but i think my first break was on kiss kiss bang bang with uh i was standing in for val kilmer and me and shane black were friends the director writer and it was robert downey's first um film of sobriety so he was coming out of the box like all right and uh, this this cop came in in the beginning of the movie, and it was like he's chasing Robert Downey, and and he's uh, you know he's he's gonna gonna he loses him, but he dips into this room, and Robert dips into an audition. So he's like you know he's 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 running from me, but he ends up in an audition, which is like only Shane Black would think of this. And they're like, all right, come on, come on, come on, sit down. Are you ready? Are you ready? And he's like he's like trying to hide from me. And then he looks at the script and it's exactly what just happened. Like he was with his buddy, he was robbing uh, a store and he got shot. So everything just happened. And he's like, so he like nails this part. And it's hilarious, which gets him to LA. And I'm the cop and I come busting in at the end. And they didn't like the other actor that did it. Cause it was like three lines. It was like, Hey, Oh, sorry. Good luck. Mm -hmm. But the guy like, came in the room and did this whole like Shakespeare, like, Oh, Hey, and milked the shit out of it. And they're all like, <laughs> 
And the director looks at me and Shane's like, Bill, go get in a cop outfit. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm acting with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going for this. Yeah. So, and I did it. And I just peeked my head in and kind of like, you know, did what I thought I would do. And it was funny. And Robert hugged me afterwards. And now we're, we became friends, you know, from Iron Man. And, but I think, uh, you know, that that's just a break, but it takes, it's so hard. And does it have to happen over and over? Like, that's the other thing I think for you, like for that business, it's not like you just make it and then you're you're set. It's it's like from an entrepreneurial perspective, it's like over and over. You have to keep. Yeah, it's a cliche line where you're only as good as your last film. Yeah, and it's true. You know, so like every film I attach myself to, I'm like, all right, I got to make it better than the last. And it's a it's a big it's a big deal because you're like, oh god, I did so much to get that last film great. Right. And I know how hard it is to get there. You just can't phone these things in and and I don't put my name on something that's going to be half-ass or, you know, might not be as good as the last one. So like this film I'm doing right now, uh, Eastwood. Yeah. Tell us what you're doing. I wanted to talk about your current. Well, it's a, uh, uh, Sharon Campbell, she saw Gallows Road and she loved it. And usually it's like, I saw this movie, will you direct this movie kind of thing, which is good. Um, But it's, uh, her sister was Eve Brent, who was in the Green Mile um she was a jane in the tarzan movies so her sister was a movie star that made it and she chose a path of social work and compassion for elderly people she got a job at a nursing home an all-black nursing home in fort worth in the 70s with her three kids and she got away from abuse uh you know her husband beat her and and beat the kids and and it was like she got away from all that and i'm trying to like tell her like this this is the story well like you're a woman at 23 you're white, you walk into a black nursing home and you get this job when yeah. segregation is is in play and you find a uh, shelter for your three kids. Like the, that, that is a story. And everything else is like, like I, we don't really care that your sister was a movie star. You know, it's like she did, that's her life and this is your path in your life. So, you know, I'm in the process right now of, she wanted to do this feature film and I'm like, let's just start off with a documentary. And for me, that's like finding the story. Mm-hmm. So, and every day I'm finding out new things and I'm like, Oh, why didn't you tell me that? Like, that's, that's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, they had the third husband, like that. And, and like stuff that's just like, you know, she was cherry picking because she wasn't sure how I was going to take mm-hmm. it. And I'm like, I just need the truth all of it because when you tell me it all, I can form it into like this story. And so it's, it's all a process and I know it's going to be great, but right now it's just like, ah, uh, trying to find the story, you know, where normally you'd write a script and turn it in and then get notes and then you shoot. Yeah. You know? But yeah. this is, but these are one of those things where like, you know, she's paying me and she wants to pay me more. And I'm like, God, oh, just, let's just hold on, you know, <laughs> let's take a break. Yeah. Cause I'm not going to take someone's money just cause they have it which is a weird place to be now because before I was like, give it to me so I can do my own thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's now it's like, you got to be responsible with the money because I've been taught that over the years and my budgets are getting smaller and smaller and my films are still looking the same. So that's a good thing. Yeah. It's almost like, God, you have to like be a good steward, right. Of, of people's money and like being able to allocate it like in a, in a way that, you know, one, ultimately is profitable, right? Like you want it to be profitable, but 
there's a lot yeah. that goes into that pot to make that happen. It seems like yeah, and profitable is making it for less, but making it look like it's more. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's a job as an independent film filmmaker, and you know Kevin Smith and you know swingers Vince Vaughn yeah. and John Favreau. Yeah. Like, those are why those guys are why I make films. You know, and it's it, Kevin Smith. I ended up working with Jason Mewes, which is kind of funny. So I ended up working with some of those some of the, my little heroes. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, do you have like of all the things you've done, this may be really hard, either your own stuff or play, you know, where you've worked, like, are there a couple of projects that have like really stood out to you? Either they, like you had a great time or, you know, there was something that really shaped you in a different way uh, because you've, you've like touched a lot of things over the last, you know, several years. Teresa's new book, Soft Skills I Learned the Hard Way, is out and available on Amazon. She writes about many epic fails throughout her career and how she learned from them so you don't have to. This book is full of cheat codes for how you can differentiate yourself when it matters, like in interviews, trying to get that promotion, or being a first-time leader. As always, thank you, Relatable Community. We are so grateful for your support and continued listenership. As of today, we are 8,000 listeners and 15 countries strong. Now back to the show. Yeah, they're all so different and they're all such a different journey from a, just being on a set standpoint, probably Amistad with um, Matthew McConaughey, mm-hmm. uh, just standing in for Matthew and getting flown on a private charter from Burbank to like Mystic, Connecticut. We shot on the water and, and, when those actors come to set, it's like they're so overprepared because it's Spielberg and he just goes right into it and you got to know your shit. It's like, and the DP is Janusz Kaminski. It's, everybody's just like so locked into their game and they're so at the top of their game that it's like, it's a machine that's like, wow, this is amazing. And then the story is awesome. I was, you just get chills watching this because you're like, dude, this is like, this is the real deal. And, and that's Spielberg. You know, that's, yeah. You know, the, those movies are so powerful. And Coppola and the Rainmaker just, you know, when you're around that greatness, which is rare to get that close. Yeah. But it's standing right there. You know, so it took Spielberg a month to call me by my first name. And when he did, I was like, I was standing from McConaughey and he's like, Bill, can you step to your right a little bit? And I was just like, oh my God, he just called me Bill. And it was like so crazy. <laughs> and then they sent, they sent McConaughey home one day early. And it was, and they wanted to get a close up of Jimon, the scene where he rips his clothes off, and he's beating his chest, and and um, McConaughey quit as his lawyer, and he just flips on him. And I'm like, oh God! He's like, Bill, we sent, we got to do a close up of Jimon. Can you go get in Matthew's clothes? And I'm like, oh crap! All you have to do is stand there and just take a beating. And I'm like, so the camera's over my shoulder, and Jimon is just right here in my face, oh, and my. they put a wig on me. And, but I remember like. Like I'm on camera with Jimon and, and it's like the power that he was driving into me. Yeah. I was, that was a moment where I had just gotten thrown in there and it was, it was like 27, I think 28. But that's when you realize like, wow, this is insane. Like, this is like, and how do you so, get this close? And I think yeah. as you describe it, it's so interesting because I was thinking about this. I even said this to Paul this morning, like before we started talking, which is like, I think as a viewer and as an audience member and as somebody who consumes content, and I'm not in that world, obviously, to the extent that you are, like, there's an experience you have, right, as an audience member. 
and I think a lot of people have a lot of judgments and things to say about movies, whether they're good or bad or TV or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about the artistic interpretation and how people are at the top of their game, like it really is such a craft and there's such, there's so much that goes into it. And it mm -hmm. almost feels like un, totally unfair that I get to decide in a minute, <laughs> you know, whether I like it or I don't like it, or I have these judgments based on how much goes into something coming together in a way that is meaningful for some for for an audience member like i and and i feel like people dismiss like the the talent that's required or that acting yeah is, they don't know they it's don't challenging know. They don't know right goes in when someone trashes a movie it's like you have no idea what what they went through yeah and then you could also tell when people are phoning it in and you know that that's yeah. why it's, it's refreshing to go see a movie like air where it's like an ensemble cast, but it's like the dialogue is great. The acting's great. You know, it's like, these are real people like us. Yeah. You know, like ben, ben is so, Ben is so humble in that film. He's the director and he also plays the CEO of Nike. He just lets Matt have the stage and Matt just kills it. So it was just nice to like, go back to like Goodwill Hunting and like, and see that. wow, let's bring these movies back. You know, I love Marvel and my best buddy's the president, but it's like, come on, man. It's like, it's like what, like Scorsese, those guys, man, like they, those, those drama driven, dialogue driven movies are just, I can't, uh, there's a handful in the last five years. I just really don't, I don't yeah. have a lot that I can talk about. Yeah. Cause it's, so it's like Marvel or nobody, you know, Amer I mean, American Hustle and those that uh, David O. Russell's good. His movies are like character yeah. driven. Right. But it's, it's just, you know. Maybe the pendulum will come back. I don't know. Like it just seems I know it seems like totally one way, but maybe there's yeah. going to be enough of an appetite. You know, one mm -hmm. of the things I want to ask you just about the relationships out there, like in terms of you're on a project, you meet people, you may. I mean, obviously things happen because of your connections and your relationships. That's just I assume how it works. And so yeah. how does it how do you sustain them, maintain them like when you're because you're all together for a period of time. Right. And then everyone disperses. And then it's over. Yeah. Like, are there some, is it just like normal life where like you may meet someone, you have a connection and it's like, you may, you may continue that, you know, friendship or is it, is it, is it weird in your business? Because like you have this reason to all be together, then you disperse and it's like, it wouldn't be obviously very normal for you to just be like, Hey Matt, what's up <laughs> after you spent time yeah. with them? Or maybe it is right. Uh -huh. So how do you sustain them? Or is that something, is there like a, a, you don't. a playbook. I mean, I mean, with crew, with crews as a director, I like, you know, I call my DP who, you know, who, who shot like, you know, Angel and Buffy and, you know, my, my cinematographers are really good because I was a stand in and they want, they want to help me. And then the movie comes out and they're like, oh, wow, that was pretty good. So they, they'll, they'll do a favor. And then they realize, wow, like the movie turned out good. I'll do it again. Right. But crew people, you want to keep those in your pocket. Actors, I have a handful that I like. But, you know, I don't have the budget to bring in a Matt Damon, obviously. Right. I have I have scripts for him that I think he would love. But am I still friends with Matt Damon? No. If he saw me on, on the street, he'd, we'd hug. We'd go back. Right. But, like, we're doing our own things. Right. Uh, you know, he's, he's being the movie star dad, and I'm doing independent movies. Right. And and I'm not... not in the director's guild, I'm, I'm in the SAG since 95, the Screen Actors Guild, but 
I don't, I'm not in the writer's um, director's guild because I, then I couldn't do my films. I couldn't control them. I couldn't write uh, write them to where I have the final cut. You know, I, I couldn't tell my story. I have to tell like six producers' stories also. And that's when the movies just, just go down. Mm, mm. So I think, I think, you know, too many, you know, there, too many chefs is, is not a bad cliche yeah. in this business. Cause you got to really like, have a vision and someone's got to follow it. You can't have 10 visions trying to make a movie. So, um, relationships. No, I just, I have numbers, you know, I've, you know, I got people's numbers. Like I've worked with Michael Douglas. He's been a mentor to me, yeah. um, for like the last five years. So when he calls, I, I go with him, but, but he also likes that I do movies. Like he came to my, I did a screening in bully high in Paris and he came with the writer of this new Franklin TV show series I'm doing with Apple. He uh he came and sat there and it was just like so cool That's and so, humble and yeah. And he actually liked the movie. He said, What what a what a refreshing um thing to walk into a feel good movie and walk out feeling just that. Uh, and it was like, you know, it was great. like this piece of of it was a compliment that was like, wow. And Michael doesn't go to movies. He's like Bill, I can. It's like it's just like it's not what it used to be and you know but I think um, someone like that who gives you like validation, then you're like, all right, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I, I've chosen the right path. How many different things are you involved with at one time? Like you've just mentioned, um, like, like, do you I have two, two thoughts? Like, are you doing five different things at one time? And also your horizon? Like, how far out are you, you know? Oh, I have I have um, right you- now I'm doing uh, the Immaculate, which is the 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 number one play of all time in football uh, the immaculate reception mm-hmm. pittsburgh steelers fan yeah yeah and i i just i'm doing that and i and, and i'm just concentrating on the ball and how this dude this wrestler got this ball and got it out of the stadium and he still has it and franco harris just died and he was my last interview and i didn't get it oh. so like i have like the film almost done and i wanted to get franco harris and terry bradshaw but I didn't get it. So it's like, all right, well, this we have to take a deep breath on this one. Then I go back to like David Pack, Ambrosia, you know, this rock star in the 70s. I've shot his stuff and and he wants to do this now. And so I'm usually, well, I usually have a couple of docs going and a feature film that I lock into. Mm-hmm. And and right now I'll probably do a Christmas movie in the fall with Kevin Sorbo and um, Joseph Baina. He's uh, Schwarzenegger's kid who's in Bully High, one of his mm-hmm. first projects was my movie and he's he's gonna be a star he's just a pleasant man yeah he like he grew up you know you know kind of in the shadow and then all of a sudden my dad's arnold schwarzenegger and 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 he looks like him he's a bodybuilder he respects his body his mind he he got a real estate job and he sells houses because his dad probably made him have a side gig right if this didn't, didn't work out so those are the kind of guys you want to help. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I got, I got Schwarzenegger's kid in my new movie. Oh, is it Patrick? I'm like, no, it's mm-hmm. the other one, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, you know, the, those, are, I want the other one. I don't want the obvious one. Does um, it feel really so, good to be able to do that for other people? Like now you're in a position, right? Where you were when you started and, you know, I can mm-hmm. imagine that feels so. Oh yeah. I, I can, I like, I had a call with him, Joseph and, he hates talking about his dad and he doesn't want to think like he's getting handouts and he's not getting handouts. His dad's 
making them work for it. Right. And yeah. I was like, I was like, Joseph, you got to embrace that. It's like, you know, your dad is Arnold Schwarzenegger and he, he just didn't make it on his own. Like, uh, you know, I mean, he had help and he had like people around him that supported him. So don't be afraid of using that. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking about my $200 and you know, my $280 car payment. I'm like, I didn't have anybody, yeah. anybody. My dad was a, you know, ex pro baseball player, athletic director, professor in college. It's like, now I didn't know one person in Hollywood when I got there at 25 years old, not one. And it was like, ah, oh, guess I'm here. Like California was another world to me in Virginia totally. like you, you watched UFC football and the receivers got long hair and you're like oh I, how come I can't have long hair it's like it's just California is a whole nother world yeah and then you go out there and you're like all right well yeah it's a little different but it's not really different so I'm trying to remember I keep having these flashbacks of Sue and I coming to visit you do you remember we um you and Dave I think we're living in like like you had just got there Sue, maybe Sue Murphy Sue Amori remember oh, okay I don't know oh, if you remember uh, us coming and we, we were, we, I mean, talking, we came, when was this? Like nineties. Well, I got there in 95. You came out to visit with who? Sue Amori? Yeah. She, we, and who'd, who'd you visit? We were there. I don't, like who were you friends with? Dave Bain? No. Well, we came to see you and Dave. You guys were living together. Like, and we, and we went to like Disney and brought you guys mouse ears. I don't know. It's a very... <laughs> Weird. Can we get other pictures of that? I think I have to see if there we have. Oh, shit. Do a picture of that. Because <laughs> those two months were like me and Dave, I was living on his couch. Holy shit. So that was right when you like, got here, maybe? Or to, to yeah, LA? Dude, it was that. That was 95. Like, okay. I, I, I got out of Long Beach to live with Dave because he was like, you sleep on my couch. And I was like, I was so tired of making that drive and i also wanted to quit the hyatt so i quit and became a casting director and that's ah. when i lived with dave and moved next door or into his buddy's place they were both so going that was the beginning himself. yeah we was like maybe two nights i mean it was quick i don't know i don't know what sort of sort of sort of why we ended up there but we like hung out for maybe a night i don't know i just have this Crazy. memory of it yeah i know it's so so that was it that was the beginning i can say yeah. i was there at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were because me and Dave used to go to this place, the Hollywood and Highlands, and it was like seventies night where you dress up every oh. Sunday and you dress up. It was so weird. <laughs> Dude, that was in ninety five. It's twenty twenty three. Like that's insane. Yeah, if you could find some pictures, that'd be funny. And by the way, it's so nice of you to to, to to take this call and have this conversation with me after so long. So I just really appreciate it because um, oh, no, you know, you're doing so many great oh. things. Uh, so I just have two more questions. One is around soft skills because I am a soft skills enthusiast and I, that's kind of my crusade now is to try to really see, help. See, see my book there? Is um, that a piece of candy? What is that? Yeah, it's a Jolly oh, Rancher because very early in my career, I had a big meeting with a partner of a firm and it was like a big moment for me to like mm. continue to thrive and be promoted and it was this big moment and I ran into his office and I had just um so <laughs> I had just put a Jolly Rancher in to like kind of get, you know, I was I ran up two flights of stairs. I put a Jolly Rancher in to kind of moisten the old palate to be able to have this conversation. And I choked on it. As I as I walked into the room, I choked on the Jolly Rancher. Nice. And threw it up on his desk. That's great. <laughs> I almost threw up on Reese Witherspoon, so there we go. <laughs> 
that was the first yeah. impression. So that's the story and that like sort of opens the book around like, you know, you talked about this morning, like how you prep for things and you're there early, right? First impressions matter. So that's kind of the, that's the catch with the book. But from uh, from all the hats you wear, I'm really fascinated and for people that are interested in the entertainment industry, but like, you know, I consider soft skills to be like, you know, communication, influence, obviously relationships, networking, interviewing, all those kind of things. What What do you feel like for you has been really successful if you think about those skills? What are the one, you know, one or two that have really helped a you? A skill, a skill to do what? That, that's helped you to navigate this path for you when you think about your soft skills. So I feel like as an actor and a director and all the things, you know, you have to rely heavily on the art of communication, you know, influence, yeah. collaboration. Well, so philosophy. And you got to, you got to, like I said, you got to, you know, you got to think like they think and you got to prepare yourself. Um, but like, there's no, there's no, I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange because I don't know what else I would do. Like I tell stories for a living and I'm constantly trying to find interesting stories. So I guess persistence, um, the idea of not knowing is kind of um, exciting. Yeah. Like yeah. you, don't, you don't know what you're going to get. Um, I like uh, challenges to me. Like when I work with Michael Douglas, these are massive, massive uh, budgets. And like, you know, I'm his dialogue coach and, you know, it's just like pressure. It's I thrive on that. But even in baseball, I was like, I could hit the best pitchers and and I just, I like the challenge, but I think that's part of the crazy. That's part of the, like, you know, yeah, getting up and going to work nine to five and just being like following this thing. I couldn't do that. I'm a leader because I like the, the pressure. I like the. I like, I, the, I like the, but I also, it's also like a father figure thing. It's also like, I like to nurture people. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to pull their insecurities um, out, understand them and then push them aside and, and let them shine. Mm-hmm. Like the, it, I get off on like actors who just, who bring it and then they know they, they brought it, but we, we got, we found this together. And I think that's why I don't like to let bad performances slip in my movies. Yeah. You know, cause I'm like, I'm protecting you and you can hate me now, but trust me, when it comes out, you'll see what I'm doing. Cause a lot of people, they, they, they get angry. They want to do their own thing and they want to rewrite the scene. And it's like, all right, now you're not trusting me. And that's why you're here. Right. Because you trust me. So there's, this is constant trust. Trust. Um, that yeah. You have to kind of keep with these, with these actors and crew people. So. When you think back to the kid that just arrives to LA or Hollywood and you're kind of starting out this path, what advice would you give him that would make the path a little bit easier? Is there any kind of thing that you look at? Uh, Kevin Bacon would say, go home. (laughs) He's like, don't do it. Um, (laughs) But I would say find something that you like and just learn it because you have to you have to learn, but you also have to be quiet. Mm. You have to listen. And if you're talking and talking and not listening, then you're not going to learn anything. Like I was literally quiet for the first 10 years and I, I, I absorbed so much. And then I became the talker. I became the leader and the director. And, but if I hadn't listened for all those years and just been humble, you know, humble is a good word. Yeah. Cause you have to. Cause you're down there at the bottom. 
and, and you're it's looking an- at like <clears throat> and you're right there with the guy who's at the top like two feet away you know when chris like- evans walked on set i was like this guy man he's ripped and he's like i'm like well of course he's ripped he's got a trainer he's got big money he's got like you know he's been given the part of captain america like he, he's doing his job you know so yeah. The, the, there's a little bit of like, well, yeah, he earned it and he's, <laughs> you know, he's not going to fail. So there's, th- there's that, but I think, you know, just persistence. and. But you mentioned something earlier too, this like idea of humility plus being confident. Like you almost have to have both. Like you have to be, have know both. when to be humble and know when to be in listen oh, mode yeah. and absorb and be a sponge versus oh. like, okay, now I've got to be the bill that's like tenacious and assertive and confident. And yeah. that's a oh, really yeah. fine. Just the other day, just the other day, this this actor said, "I'm going to make you a star." To you? And I, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, you got to bite your lip on that one because it's like <laughs> making you star." Uh, no, she said, "I'm going to make you famous." Oh. And I'm like, I've never done this to become famous. I have never done this to be the director. Oh, I'm the I'm the director. Hi, like I'm never that guy. Like this is default. This is like I ended up here and this is I just tell stories. So you can look at me however you want and think I have all of this, but I make movies and I tell stories with a message. That's yeah. all I do. Yeah. So whether I'm famous or not, or you can Google me, it's just like I I always wanted to get a, make a t shirt that says Google me. You know, <laughs> it's just so funny and stupid. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, you know, you got, I have to do these interviews and you have to um, get keep fresh. But I don't do this for the title. Yeah. You know? Well, I have just it's been great. It's been great to see you. And it's great to catch up. Next time you're here, we all need to hang out. So please yeah. let me know when, the, when you come back. Bulls at the Vienna. Where's he hang out? The Vienna Inn? Yeah, he lives around? like, you know, st- walking distance of Vienna Inn. I, oh, he does. All right. Okay, cool. We'll go get a beer over there. I know. That would be great. I wish you the best. I think what you're doing is so great. I think it's so cool, all the different projects. And like I said, kind of with all that humility and heart at the center of it, I think it's so great. So congratulations on like all your success, man. Congratulations on soft skills. (laughs) Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Jolly Rancher. Jolly Rancher. Jolly Rancher owes you some money, so <laughs> call him up. Okay. All right. All right. We'll take care. You. Bye. Bill, thank you for joining me on Relatable. What a great and fun conversation, a few things stood out for me. One, you have to love what you're doing. It makes the hard stuff easier. Be a sponge and be curious around those that are expert at their craft. Persistence and the idea of not knowing how it will turn out. Be sure to build trust and enjoy the challenge. Thank you to Missy for producing this episode and Hannah for your support. A big thank you to our relatable community. We continue to grow our audience and appreciate all of our listeners. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment and subscribe either on YouTube or your favorite streaming platform. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills, and you can find more information about Relatable and our sponsor by visiting www.tfasoftskills.com. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable.
Stay connected.